To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste. Welcome to the Backyard Gardens podcast, a companion podcast to the upcoming documentary Backyard Gardens the Movie. A story about two families growing their first gardens in a world that lacks nutrition. I'm your host and director, Ben Neville. That's the sound of beautiful rain and frogs, something we haven't heard in about a month here. Love the sound of rain. Gotta water the plants, right? So you live in an apartment, you don't have any space, you don't have anywhere outside, and you want to grow a garden. What do you do? Well, you're in luck, because today that's exactly what we're going to go over. This was requested by Call Me The Dub on Instagram, so this one's for you and anybody else who lives in an apartment who wants to grow some food. So you have multiple options when you live in an apartment. You can grow inside, or if you have a porch, you can grow outside. We're going to go over both of those today, and then at the end, we're going to have our recipe of the day. So join us as we talk about apartment gardening. So when I think about apartment gardening, the first thing that comes to mind is windowsills, growing in a sunny windowsill. It is possible to grow some kind of plants in a windowsill. I mean, you just need a pot of soil, a plant, water, and light. And we're going to break that down for you. First, let's talk about what can we grow inside. Well, the easiest thing to grow inside is herbs. And you can get herb plants. If you go to the grocery store, generally you can get herb plants in there that are fairly small. And you can grow those, something like cilantro, basil, thyme, stuff like that. Those are the easiest. And then if you really want to try, you can grow your leafy greens like um, lettuce or maybe a spinach. But you're going to have your best luck with microgreens. And you can find seeds for that at any seed store or online. Just search out microgreens, and it's a good way to add something on top of your salad or into a smoothie or something like that. So if you don't get light on your windowsill, you need to add light. And I know for me, at first, when I was thinking about adding light to an indoor garden, it was a very daunting thought. It seemed very technical, but in reality, it's not that technical. You know, now that we don't use incandescent light bulbs and we use those CFL bulbs, which I call the curly Q bulbs, they are, in effect, a grow light of sorts. Now, the ones you would put in your, in your light fixture, they will work, but you'll need multiple ones to get enough light. So in order to do that, you want to direct the light. So you can go to Lowe's or Home Depot or even Amazon and you can get those aluminum domes. They're about anywhere from two to eight dollars and you can put a light bulb in there and that will direct the light and then you want to get a splitter to go into the socket so you can add two bulbs and by adding two bulbs you're going to get light to direct and feed your plants now you can or if you want to really get a little bit more light in the same setup you can order larger bulbs that have a higher rating And that'll give you more stronger light that you can use. Now use that setup, which is the aluminum dome, a splitter, and then two larger bulbs than what you would normally put in your light fixtures. 
to grow my seeds and to keep my tropical bonsai inside in the winter. And they all grow. So it is a possibility. You can do LED lights. And that's a great option, too, because they're energy efficient and they don't run as warm. So you can use that as well. And you can get LED technologies come a long way. I have a little gooseneck clamp LED fixture that has two different light bars on it. It's like, I'd say it's about 20 bucks, maybe, maybe 15. And it does okay for starting seeds. And I've even had some of my seedlings continue to grow under them, but they don't let out as much light. So you're going to need to get a stronger LED fixture for that. But if you go online, a good place to learn about LED fixtures are in gardening forms and on garden online. And if you guys want, we can do a more in-depth top uh, podcast on that. But they do look in the marijuana growing field. They, I mean, they solely use LED lights in their tents generally. And there's a lot of information on that. Now that it's become legal in a lot of the country, it's a good source for information on that. So the amount of yield you're going to get is going to be based off the amount of light and the amount, the pot size that you have, the container size. So the more soil you have, the more you'll be able to produce. But if you can't have a big pot, then just put what you can in your windowsill or inside and grow what you, what you are able to. I mean, you can't break the bank or you can't add on to your apartment and you want to make your, keep your small living space livable. So don't, don't go crazy and just try, you know, this is a trial and error part of life that we do. So get yourself a basil. I always recommend herbs to start off with. And basil is a good one because it's real flavorful. It's forgiving and it's fairly easy to take care of and try that in a pot and see what happens. And if you're going to grow inside, you can get something like a shelf, like a multi-tiered shelf. And then you can take your shelf and underneath each tier, you can mount some kind of light on it that, and then put your plants on the bottom and grow. And I use this for a seed starting station. And if you want to go to our Instagram at Backyard Gardens, the movie, you can see that we've posted pictures of our seed starting station and stuff like that in the past. And you'll see how we run it. But really, the sky is the limit on how you want to do it. It's all about providing light. And if you're going to put your pot in a windowsill, you're going to want to rotate your pot every once in a while so that the plant can get sun on all sides. Because if you just leave it in one area, because the way the sun hits, it'll have to stretch and it'll reach for the light. And then half of the plant that's facing inside would die. And so you'd only have foliage on one side. So generally what I do is I would just rotate once a week and then let that get light all the way around it. You could rotate it daily. It doesn't really matter. You just play with it and see what happens. See how the plant responds. And watering your indoor plants, the big thing of that is don't overwater. So especially at first when you don't have a lot of roots, you don't want to overwater and keep your soil real saturated because you can get issues like root rot and then you can get fungus gnats or the big ones. And root rot is exactly what it sounds like. The roots will begin to rot because they stay so wet. And fungus gnats are little gnats that are real annoying. They just, you'll see them all over your plant. And the best way to get rid of those is to allow the soil to dry out. And then I like to get a little container and put um, dial, not dial, excuse me, Dawn unscented disc detergent in it. 
and then set that on the soil or next to it. And the, the fungus gnats will actually be attracted to it and they'll get in it and they'll die. So by doing that, you can kind of, you can stay on top of it. But once you dry that soil out real good, that's the biggest thing. So growing indoors isn't impossible. It's, it's definitely harder than growing outside, but it, there's definitely possibilities there. And herbs are going to be your best bet in microgreens. But let's say you have a back porch and your back porch gets about six hours of sunlight a day. Well, then you're in luck because then you can do a container garden. And container gardens are exactly what it is. You just have containers of all sizes with different plants in it. So under your container garden, you get a lot more options outside. You can do pretty much anything. I used to have five gallon buckets that I would take and drill holes in the bottom and then fill that up with soil. And in those I grew bell peppers, eggplants, jalapenos. I tried a squash, but it got a little too big for my porch at the time. And I've done lettuces and cabbages and broccoli and cauliflower and all those kinds of vegetables in there. And then you want to look, if you're going to grow seeds and you want to grow like green beans or cucumbers, you can get like bushing varieties. And that way they don't trellis, they just grow in a bush. And they're not GMO, they're hybridized, which means they've been, the seeds have been bred to form a bush. Nothing's been added to the seed. So you want to definitely look for smaller varieties of vegetables to put into your containers and it's a great time for that because we see that more and more every year we're seeing different container friendly varieties and if you look on the back of the seed pack it'll say container friendly most of the time so it's the same idea as inside you need six hours of light the only difference is adding a light i wouldn't really recommend adding a light onto your porch but it is possible you're gonna have to have that six hours of sunlight and then watering is the same idea. You don't want to keep it saturated because when you grow in a container, it's not like in the in the ground where the water, you could overwater, but it'll go somewhere else. Eventually, that container will just stay so saturated that you can get root rot from it. So you want to be careful of that. And then if you grow outside, you have the benefit of different seasons. Well, it could be a benefit or a downfall, but you can have different seasons. So in your summer, you would grow your warmer varieties, and then you would rotate and do your fall varieties. So that's a really good thing to have, too, because you want to maximize your space that you're using. And then if you, for some reason, you don't want to try bush varieties and you want to try, you know, your standard trellising or larger plants, you can always try to have a vertical garden, which is simply where you take your plant and you grow it up. Instead of just letting it grow anywhere, you have to cage it or stake it and grow it up. So it's real popular. Uh, a lot of people do watermelons. You can do that. Um, it's not the easiest because you still have to have a way to support that melon, which has seen like, I don't know what it's called, but it's like a pantyhose hammock for the watermelon. So the watermelon will just rest in it and keep the pressure off of it or else it'll just tear the whole plant down. But you could do regular cucumbers and green beans. It's just you have to keep in mind that they get really big. So be prepared for that. I've seen upside down tomato plants before. They have special pots for it where the tomatoes will grow down. But those already grow up. So you could you could do those in a container anyways. You could build some kind of strawberry pot system where you can buy them where they're just clay pots with different openings along the sides and plant your strawberries. Or you could make one yourself where you use um, like a larger size pot on the bottom 
And then each time you go up, you just get a little bit smaller and then you would cut holes around the sides and plant your strawberries in there. And then you can have a strawberry pot that will produce every year, providing it doesn't get too cold. So the downfall of the container gardening outside, in my mind, would be watering it in the summertime and then your first freezes. Because since it's in a container, the soil is going to get warmer, so it's going to use a lot more water. And then the, the roots don't have anywhere to go, so they'll fill up the container. So then you they might get to a point where you're watering every day. But just keep an eye on that. And then in the, in the fall and the wintertime, that soil in the pot will get colder. So it'll eventually, it, it won't, you have the possibility for it not to last as long as you would in the ground. But that's just part of it. And you'll learn. After your first year, you'll kind of get a feel for it. But then the other part that would be good is in the summertime or in the springtime, you could start earlier possibly because the pots will get the soil warmer. So... There's ups and downs to all of it. Now, I've grown a butternut squash in a pot before and put a tomato cage on top. And as it grew, I just wrapped it around the tomato cage and it kept growing up and up. And I got, I think, two or three, two or three butternut squashes off of it, which doesn't seem like much. But if you ever go to the store and try and buy one, they're like $5 a squash. So you think about it, if I got three squashes, I got $15 of produce from one plant. That's not too bad. And the added benefit is to doing these containers on your back porches, you're, you're inviting nature to your back porch. You get a sense of being outside and in, in nature with plants and you'll see different insects. And it's, it's a really good way to add that to your life, especially if you live in a busy city. And this is done all over the world. So, you know, I, I encourage you, if you have a porch and an apartment, to take advantage of it and try something. And let's say you have a porch but you don't want to put many plants on it. And then inside you don't have a lot of room or you just don't want the hassle of having stuff like that in your house. What do you do? Well, you can find a community garden. Community gardens are a great place to look and learn and be around other people. The way it works is you generally get a small garden bed and you would use that garden. That would be your garden bed for that year. And in that bed, you can grow whatever you want. And it's a great way to be around like-minded people, get out and dig in the dirt and meet people and form a sense of community and share what you've grown. And you're going to learn a lot. You'll probably learn a lot faster than somebody at home by themselves because you're going to be surrounded by people who are growing their own vegetables, multiple people with different knowledges together that can share. So that's a great way to do it. And if you go, if you want to find a community garden just go on Facebook and Google in your area, whatever your city name is, and and then look up community garden. You might find something that way. A lot of places they generally, in my experience for our, our film, we're trying to get um, we're trying to work in finding a community garden now to participate in our film in our area, and we're having a hard time because they're not having websites, but they have Facebook pages. So that's an option. Um, you have an extension service in your state. If you just look up, like I live in North Carolina, if you look up North Carolina Extension, it'll pop up. And a lot of these people, they will help guide you in the right direction that you need for a community garden. Or you can look up your state. They might have an agency that just focuses on community gardens. Now, it's not going to be a big agency. There might be one or two people working there, but they can point you in the right direction and help you. 
that's just something to look for. So you definitely have options if you live in an apartment. It's not like, oh, I can't grow food because what because what we're doing here with our documentary and this podcast is we want people to learn how to grow their own food. We want people to enjoy that and we want to bring that back into our lives. And so these these ways are make it possible. And it's out there. You just have to want to look for it and find it. And it's amazing what you can do inside a house. I mean, you if you had the space, let's say you live in a two-bedroom apartment and you're like, I'm just going to turn one room into a full garden. There is a possibility you could do that. With enough lights, you could do anything. We just want you to be able to learn to grow and grow for change, like we say, because that's how we do it. You know, that's why I recommend herbs so much because you go to the store and you buy a container of herbs and it's what, three, four dollars, but you can grow it by a plant. I mean, you could grow up buy a seed for next to nothing, but you could buy a small plant for three bucks. And if you're growing it inside, you could have a perpetual basil plant in your house to have fresh basil all you want. And then you, if you know that you don't want to grow it all year long, you can cut your basil back and you can trim it. You can freeze it. You can, can preserve it. You can do a lot of things with it. So it's a great way to, you know, add that flavor into your lives and your meal. And I mean, I don't know if you've been around a basil plant, but your whole house smelling like basil, at least for a while, it'd be great. So think about it that way. And then the last thing that I'm not really going to get much in depth on, because I personally have, I don't want to say I have no interest in it for me, but it's just never really crossed my radar as hydroponics. And that's definitely an option and you can do that. So try that if you want. I mean, you can look into it. If you guys want me to do a podcast on it, I'll definitely research it and get some history. I might even try and get a guest on to talk about hydroponics if you're interested, but it's definitely, you can produce food through and a lot of food through hydroponics. If you want to me, it just seemed a little too technical for what I was willing to do. But if you're into building something and you really want to test and experiment, that's a great option for you as well. So as we promised today, we are going to have for our recipe, we're going to have two ways to make pesto. We're going to have the regular, a regular recipe for pesto, and then we're going to have a vegan way for pesto. For our first pesto recipe, we're going to use two cups of packed fresh basil leaves, two cloves of, cloves of garlic, a quarter cup of pine nuts, two-thirds extra virgin olive oil, two-thirds of a cup, excuse me, and then salt and pepper to taste, and then a half a cup of Parmesan cheese or grated, I don't know how to say this, pecorino cheese, and then you just combine it all into a food processor, processor and then pulse it until it's chopped, and then you add the oil in and do, and then process it again until it's fully smooth. And then you can transfer it into a bowl or mix in the cheese. And then you can freeze it into a, in an airtight container. And it'll hold for three months in the freezer. But that'll make about a cup of pesto. And then for your vegan option, I personally use this book by Miyoko Shinner called The Homemade Vegan Pantry. I, I recommend it highly. It goes through, and you'll hear this a lot throughout the podcast, I'll use this book because... It tells you how to make things that you normally keep in your pantry and that are vegan. 
And if you're vegan, it's obviously something you'd want to use. But if you're not vegan, it's something to check out too because some of the recipes you'll, you know, some of them you won't really like. They have different flavors, but then a lot of them are really good. And this one in particular is good, and it's a roasted tomato skin pesto. So you're going to want to use two cups of tomato skins from roasted tomatoes, and then half a cup of olive oil or more as you want, three to six cloves of garlic, and you want to peel those, and then one tablespoon white or yellow miso. Or if you can't get that, you can use a teaspoon of salt. In order to make it, you're going to place all the ingredients in a blender and puree until smooth, thick, and spreadable. And then you just want to start with a less amount of garlic if you want and then add more to it. I personally like garlic, so I just put it all in there. And then it'll thicken as it sits. And it can be refrigerated in a jar for up to three to four weeks or frozen for up to a year. And then pouring a layer of olive oil on top of it will keep it fresher for even longer than four weeks in the fridge. And that'll make a half a cup to a cup of uh, this pesto. So this doesn't have your um, basil in it, but you could add some in there. But is that it's a pesto flavor. Uh, excuse me, a pesto flavor. So give one of those recipes a try and let us know how you like it. If you want to find us, you can find us at BackyardGardensTheMovie.com. And then Facebook and Instagram's Backyard Gardens the Movie. We also have a Facebook group on Backyard Gardens the Movie Facebook page. You can check us out there and leave us a review and a comment and give us a rating. And it'll help us to get more people to see and learn about gardening. Because that's our ultimate goal is to get people to learn how to provide nutrition in their lives. So let's learn to grow and grow for change. Have a good one. Thanks. Now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time. All over the world, people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in.